Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Gerald Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me for today's podcast. In just a minute, I'm going to talk to you about how you lead when you have little authority. How you lead when you have little authority. Before I do that, I always want to put on your radar screen upcoming events, opportunities to be in the room. I've told you in my journey of leadership, being in the room has been the catalyst for the greatest advancements I've ever had as a leader. I know some of you say, hey, just send me the notes. If I could just listen to, uh, you know, the various platforms and just put it out there. But there's nothing that compares to being in the room. I like to put it, you can listen and you add to your leadership. When you're in the room, you multiply your leadership. Well, I have three events that are coming up and I want to encourage you to get to one of them. On April the 27th, Rancho Cucamonga, this is out in the LA area. I want to encourage you to come. The information in the round table is just gold and the room will just be dynamic. Come and be a part. Then on May 9th, I'll be in Raleigh, Durham. And so I want to encourage you to come to that roundtable. And then on June 7th, I will be near Tulsa, Oklahoma. So three roundtables, April 27th in Rancho Cucamonga, then Raleigh, Durham on May 9th, and then June 7th in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. I want to encourage you, go to my website, GeraldBrooksMinistries.com, and if you will go there and you will sign up, I think you will find that to be an amazing opportunity for you. Hey, today I want to talk to you about how to lead when you have little authority. I get asked the question all the time, well, I don't have a high position in my organization. Well, I'm not one of the key decision makers, but here's the thing leadership can still be executed. But I want to talk to you about when you don't have the authority. See, the Bible is filled with exceptional leaders. And let me just give you a list of them. People like Daniel, Nehemiah, Esther, and Ezra. All of these individuals were key in the history of Israel. But they all had one common trait— They had very little authority, yet they led well. So all of these were great leaders. We recognize them as great leaders, but none of them had high levels of authority. See, each of these leaders epitomizes the principles of influence and that influence is more important than authority. I want you to get it. Each of them epitomize the principle that influence. Remember, everything in your life is going to rise and fall on leadership. But Oswald Sanders said decades ago, leadership is influence. And so in your life, the principle of influence is more important than authority. See, Daniel was a Babylonian slave. Nehemiah was considered expendable because he was a cupbearer for King 
Artaxerxes, and his job was to die in case the food was poisoned. Esther is the first winner of The Bachelor. Wouldn't it be great to be in a day where that wasn't even around anymore? And then Ezra was a low-ranking politician overseeing religious affairs. Now, let me just give you the overview of these individuals. If you study them, there's a couple of things that are obvious. None of them had a perfect life. So one thing we need to understand is that when you lead, it's not about the perfection. None of these individuals had a perfect life. None of them had a perfect resume. They didn't have a go-to sheet that someone was going to look at and say, wow, look at this. They are our next leader. None of them were in the perfect place. Location-wise, they seem to be on the outer fringes of where a leader should be. None of them had a perfect job. None of them, their job was just at that perfect kind of thing that would uh, vault them into leadership, and none of them were perfectly positioned to lead. So I want you to get it. If you study their lives, here's what you find. None of them had a perfect life. None of them had a perfect resume. None of them had a perfect place. None of them had a perfect job. And none of them were perfectly positioned to lead. But they all had influence. And see, influence is what begins to catapult you forward if you have influence. Now, let me just talk about the fundamentals of influence. Here's where influence starts. God's favor creates influence. God's favor creates influence. Now, someone would say, okay, well, if God's favor creates influence, how do I get God's favor? Let me give it to you. Devotion with God creates the favor of God. Did you get it? Devotion with God creates the favor of God. And when you have the favor of God, this creates influence with people. So the people that I found who have amazing influence are people who have a dynamic devotion with God. They know what it's like to get in a room alone and let God engage their heart, their mind, their soul. They know what it means to have that dynamic moment of of just being alone and letting God spark the inner parts of their soul and begin to explode them on the inside. And here's what I can tell you. Devotion with God creates the favor of God, which creates influence with people. As we said, Oswald Sanders, leadership is influence. Leadership is influence. See, people misconstrue the essential qualities of leadership. What people think they need to lead isn't what they need. See, a lot of people don't lead who could lead because they're looking for the wrong tools in the toolbox to lead. And so here are the common expectations. Well, if I'm going to lead, I need power. Well, Daniel's a slave. 
well, if I'm going to lead, I'm going to need position. Well, Esther is a woman and a time that being a woman was not valued. And her one trait that she had was beauty. So she didn't have great position. Well, if I'm going to lead, I have to have possessions. Well, I can just tell you right now that Nehemiah didn't have many possessions. Well, if I'm going to lead, I need prestige. Well, Ezra didn't have any prestige. The leaders mentioned above had none of these, yet they were profound leaders. So let's go back. If you're going to have favor, favor of God starts with devotion to God. And devotion to God creates the favor of God, which creates favor and influence with people. Now, the second thing is, in each one of their cases, they understood the boundaries of leadership. And this is one of the things that I think gets undertaught and underused, and that is understanding the boundaries. I go back to Joshua chapter one, when God was speaking to Joshua about taking the next step in his leadership journey. Moses has died and God's trying to tell him. And he says in there, you're going to take the people of God from the wilderness and you're going to take them into the promised land. And he gives them a set of dimensions. You're going to go from this river to this river, this location to this location. And every place that your foot shall tread will be yours. Before God gave him the blessing, he gave him boundaries. And most people want the blessing of God without the boundaries of God. Every leader has boundaries. Now, Jesus highlighted this with one particular leader, and you find him in Matthew chapter 8. He's a centurion that came to Jesus, and Jesus was wowed by this man because this man understood the boundaries. And how did he express it? I'm a man with authority, and I'm a man under authority. This man understood his personal boundaries of leadership. So let me start. One of the things that we know about a centurion is that he wasn't the top of the organizational chart. He was the head non-commissioned officer, NCO, of the Roman army. But he was responsible to all the generals and all the captains and all the lieutenants. And here's the first principle. You can't lead unless you can follow. It's amazing to me how many people want a leadership position when they've never proved that they can follow. Who is it that can tell you no? And who is it when they tell you no that you will stop? The next thing that we understand about boundaries is, is there is no leader who has it all. Every leader lacks in some way. He said, I'm a man under authority. What was he saying? I don't have all the authority. That's not within my job creation. I have authority, but I don't have all the authority. So there's no leader that has it all. 
he understood the reality of leadership. I can't wait till I get to do what I want. See, that's what people think leadership is. Well, I want to be a leader so that I can do what I want. And here's the thing. Any leader who thinks they get to do what they want has never led. I've had people look at me and say, I want to be a leader like you. I want to just be able to do whatever I want. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, I don't have that job. There are things that I want to do that I can't do. There are things that I'd like to do that have never happened. Any leader who thinks they get to do everything they want has never led. See, the higher you go in leadership, the less leadership is about you. But the idea that you get to do everything you want, that means leadership is all about you. The next principle, any authority or influence you have isn't for you, it's for others. This centurion came on behalf of his servant. He was there to help someone else. His authority was being used for others. Do you get it? When you do have authority, authority is only effective when it is used for others. So my question that I always ask when I walk in the room is who can I help? I'm not looking to see who can help me. I'm looking to see who can I help. The next principle is influence isn't a possession you hold on to. It is a gift that you give. He was willing to give away his influence on behalf of someone else. But another thing we know about a centurion is it takes time to gain influence. You don't become a centurion overnight. There's a lot of blood, literally, sweat, and tears. You've survived a whole lot of pain, a whole lot of problems. You've been in a whole lot of battles to be promoted to be a centurion. You've survived a whole lot to get there. And what I can tell you about influence is you don't get influence overnight. But what I can also tell you is this. The best use of influence is to leverage it with others who have influence. So what did he do? He had limited influence. So he went to Jesus who had unlimited influence. And he leveraged it. And people are always saying, well, I want to do big things. Take your influence and use it to help somebody who's already doing big things. And if you help enough people with your influence to do big things, there will be people who will come along and say, I want to help you do big things. So when it comes to this whole thought of, I don't have the authority, the Bible is filled with examples of that. We've given you four, but now we've given you five in the centurion. What stands out? All of them were seekers of God wherever they were. Your faith can't be conditioned on being in a specific place. Well, if all this works out, then 
They were seekers of God wherever they were. They served faithfully regardless of their environment. We all know the story of Daniel and that he was offered some compromises, but even in those moments of compromise, he kept going. And they were willing to sacrifice for others what they had gained. See, when you're a seeker of God, wherever you're at, that speaks of your faith. When you serve faithfully, regardless of your environment, that gives you credibility. But when you're willing to sacrifice for others what you've gained, that's leadership. I want to go back over that. I think that's gold. They were seekers of God wherever they were. That speaks to their faith. They served faithfully regardless of the environment. That created credibility. But they were willing to sacrifice for others what they gained. That was leadership. Now, once you begin to understand that leadership is influence, it's not about authority, it's about influence, then you begin to create an influence strategy. And once you begin to create that, it's going to open opportunities. But how do you create an influence strategy? It deals with how you influence. These are the gifts that God's given you. Not everyone has the same gift. Not everyone has the same gift in the same way. And so it's how you influence It's where you influence that strategy. So where I influence is in two specific realms. I influence in a corporate environment and I influence in a spiritual environment. So I tend to strategize those two opportunities. When you influence, those are your priorities. So you begin to take your influence knowing that there's a difference between a flood and that is water going everywhere and it creates devastation and a river that has a bank on the side of it and you can take a river and you can create electricity from it. Why? Because when you influence, you have priorities. This is what you do and who you influence These are the people. So how you influence is about your gift. Where you influence is your strategy. When you influence are your priorities and who you influence are people. Now define your influence. Just define influence and what that is in you. Influence involves your heart, who you care about. Your head, how you think about helping others, and your habits, the abilities you use to bless others. Now, again, influence isn't to try to create intention. See, in our society, people will say, well, so-and-so's an influencer. What they're saying is, in our society, an influencer is someone who gets a lot of attention. But biblically, an influence is someone who cares about others. That's their heart. They think about others. That's their head. 
and they use their abilities for others. That's their habits. Now, I said all this to get you to this place, the rules of influence. What are the rules of influence? Number one, you're always creating influence. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 52, it says about Jesus, he grew in stature before God and man. He says he began to grow in stature and wisdom before God and man. What is this saying? His influence was growing. Be aware that in every circumstance, every moment, you are creating influence. Jesus created it. When you grow, your influence grows. When you grow with God, your influence grows. When you grow in relationships, your influence grows. Grow upwards, grow outwards. You've got to be aware that influence is a growth factor. Number two, you do not have the same level of influence with everyone. See, the first rule deals with awareness. That when you grow, you're creating influence. But this one says, I don't have the same level of influence with everybody. So there are people that call me their pastor. There are other leaders and pastors that call me their pastor. Well, when you call me your pastor, that moves everything to a different level for me. It's not a mentoring relationship. It means when I step into my pastor's role, I'm going to see if you're going to listen. But there's some people I don't have influence on a pastoral level. I have influence on a relational level. So it's just people that I know throughout the community. They don't look to me as their pastor, which is one level of influence. They look to me as a friend, which is a different level. And so the first rule, I have to be aware that when I'm growing, I'm creating influence. And if my influence isn't growing, it means I'm not growing. But law number two is, is that I've got to understand that I do not have the same influence with every individual. The level of influence I have dictates what I can do. So the first one, be aware you need to grow. The second one, be smart about using your influence because it's not one size fits all. Number three, you cannot influence the same way in every circumstance. So sometimes you're going to influence very overtly. Sometimes you're going to influence very subtly. Sometimes you are going to do the thinking for someone. Sometimes you're going to plant the thought in someone. You cannot influence the same way in every circumstance. The first one, be aware. The second one, be smart. This one, you've got to be wise. Number four, your influence requires a commitment to growth. Study to show yourself approved, a workman of God that needeth not be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. You've got to work at growing. So be learning. 
just be learning. Just always put yourself in learning opportunities. That's why I say you got to be in the room. Number five, your influence with your life is more than your words. A lot of people just think influence is standing up and speaking. But Paul told Timothy, you've got to be an example. So you've got to be an example. You've got to be someone people can watch and follow and not just listen to and follow. And then your influence has to be a bridge. And what that means is it's a bridge between you and God and God and others. And you've got to be humble because when you're a bridge, you get stepped on. Boy, that was no fun, was it? You get walked on. But that's all right. You be humble because you're a bridge to God and for God. And then your influence is the key in crisis. Boy, didn't we see that with Esther? You've got to be ready because you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Let me give you the rules of influence. You're always creating influence. So you have to be aware. You're creating it with God and people. You do not have the same level of influence with everyone. Some people you have more influence. Some people you have less influence. Be smart. You cannot influence in the same way in every circumstance. So sometimes you can be overt. Sometimes you have to be covert. Be wise. Your influence requires growth. You've got to be constantly learning. Number five, your influence with your life is more than words. You've got to be an example. If people watch you, can they follow you? And six, your influence is to be a bridge. You've got to be humble because you're leading people to God and leading people for God and a bridge gets walked on and your influence is the key to crisis. Esther shows that you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Be ready. Now, let me just be honest. If I were just a pastor, if I were just a corporate executive, I've just given you probably three different outlines within one outline. And what you need to do is you need to break these down and communicate them. Because leadership is influence. It's not authority. A lot of people have authority, but they have no influence with people. But when you have influence, you can change people's lives. You can make life better for others. I want to thank you again for listening and want to remind you, get in the room. On April 27th, Rancho Cucamonga. On May 9th, Raleigh, North Carolina. And on June 7th, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Go to my website, GeraldBrooksMinistries.com and sign up. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com.